This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Ollie Tikkanen. Welcome, everyone. We are going to have a very interesting discussion covering themes of physical activity in geriatric healthcare, psychopathology and physical inactivity, and also exercise as a vital sign. And we have a great guest for this episode. Our guest is working as a postdoc and group leader in Deutsche Sporthochschule in Köln, in Germany. His research focuses on sport and movement gerontology in geriatric healthcare and physical activity in aging. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our guest, Dr. Tim Fleiner. Welcome, Tim. Thanks for having me, Oli. Yeah, really, really nice to have you. And and when you say rest activity cycles, I, I guess that as they are patients and, and older, they get tired from physical activity and then they need to rest and probably they sleep, sleep also better. How do you, what, what kind of observations do you have from this, this activity rest cycle? Mm-hmm. Well, there, there's a psychopathometric um, instrument called the Neuropsychiatric Inventory where you see restlessness as a subjective rating. You can do the frequency, the severity, and the caregiver burden. This is the, the subjective part. But we also see objective ratings of restlessness. It's mostly based on sleep science, where we do have actigraphic recordings on the wrist. And then you see um, the, the, it comes from the night uh, for, for the dream or non, non sleep quality analysis, where we see rest activity cycles like from the um, from the REM periods, it's also analyzed during the days. You know, normally times to get activity, rest, activity, rest. This is could be could be uh, a cycle, but um, we see patients that are restlessness all the day that need to be uh, fixed, sit down for eating, going going um, these forty thousand steps, as I as I told before. But we need measures for this because the staff is changing three times during the day we see also uh, patients wandering during the night but in the recordings in the nursing clinical recordings we see the patient has slept in all six times the, the nursing staff was looking for the patient so this doesn't come together if we see these uh, these recordings and the motion sensors and the um, the nightly recordings um, from from the the clinical uh, observations. You could say this is a relatively new field where we're also trying to get now with hybrid motion sensors because. Um, the, these wrist activity monitors they can only quantify an on off activity like zero or one we also only see um, this is activity this is not activity and um, having these cycle cycle analysis uh, you can't do anything with the, with these cycles in a way that we could do exercise for example because they are not correlated to, to their steps we know um, in in, in um, 
in an Italian study, um, they have just checked for uh, for um, the, the high activity periods, and they were correlated to the breakfast, to the um, to the lunch, and to the to the evening uh, 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 evening uh, meals. And um, this, but the steps they were independent from this. And also, we see some sticking uh, no um, activities having an um, um, caloric. Um, value like a marathon runner, but they are doing handwork together. So this is not specific enough for clinical decisions, especially if we see exercise as a synchronizer, you could say as a tightgeber to stabilize circadian rhythms. We need such measures, and that's what we're working now on. For example, steps having an active period having the longest periods, sitting times, breaking up these sedentary behaviors. How, how can we do this? But we need this rhythm analysis also for the steps, for example. So quite a bit of need for measurement as the uh, stuff is changing three times a day. So nobody basically sees even a 24-hour cycle, how they, how they behave. Then you said that the restlessness is there. Is, is restlessness in a way that they just want to move or is there some kind of tapping of the legs when they sit? Or How, how is the definition of restlessness and do you think it could be measured? Uh, there are two different ways. You have the restlessness uh, in the restless leg syndrome during the night. This is something that is also measured with pedometers. But we um, within the neuropsychiatric um, clusters, symptoms cluster, we have these behavioral and psychological symptoms. And there we see restlessness like a wandering phenomenon. Patients are searching something, someone, somewhat. Um, we see this um, as a um, wandering towards something. And this is most the most of the cases is that um, that we have this. But did you get, we're, we're speaking about restlessness, we're speaking about uh, this, but um, this is all, only a smart part of the patients. The most patients, they are these hypermotor patients, but we don't get them. We, we don't get them in, in our hospitals, hospital routines. And we, we need to be aware of both, the, both, both extremes, the non-active way and the hyperactive way. And then I think we're in, in a good way. So, so you mentioned that there's some you you're doing wrist measurement at the moment, and you maybe get some knitting as as an activity, and and then the needs are, are a little bit different for the patients in many ways than than normal normal people, healthy people. So, what would be an ideal tracking device in your opinion? What kind of things it should measure if it was designed for? for hospital <laughs> use and, and specifically like for example these patients that you are you are working with if we look into exercise referral or exercise prescription it's um, the way of asking the patients on how many days are you active how active are you and so on and um, this is something actigraph can't can't do we need from our point of view we need the body postures Sitting, lying, standing, gait. This is something transferable, transferable for the patient. We could speak with the patient on his level of physical activity. 
and won't speak about counts. We could see steps, the, the, the level of steps, how many steps are you doing, the sitting times, the lying times. This is something applicable that we, we need. And in the second way, we, we seek for analysis of these parametrics, of these variables for having, when, when do we have the peak of steps? Is this related to a chronotype for the morning lark or the night owl? Can we shift our hospital routines or nursing routines together with these chronotypes we see in the physical activity? Because we see aggressive behaviors if someone um, is being treated, is being has um, gotten a treatment against his chronotypes. We see this in a clinical way, but this is something we should. This is the type of chrono chrono medicine that's coming coming towards to us. Everyone is interested in the twenty four hour cycles to sleep science, but we we also should think about where where are we going within our hospital routines where everything is fixed to the morning, uh, nothing happens in the evening, and at eight p.m. the light is turned off. Patients should sleep. And we're surprised to see patients getting up at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., 6 a.m., and then they are being diagnosed for a sleep problem and they're getting medication. So it's it's about the hospital routines, also nursing home routines, and free living cycles we are now aware of. And, and you said that there's quite a bit of rest, restless leg syndrome with the patients. Have you tried to, to measure this and do you see advantages if you would, would measure it? No, it's not, not from, from, our, uh, from our group, but um, there, there are trials, um, especially from sleep science. Uh, they are doing this uh, in, a, in a big, big ways because the restless um, leg syndrome is also due to the whole lifespan uh, big problem in sleep medication and sleep science. For most sedentary behavior and physical activity researchers, collecting the research data is one of the most frustrating steps of a project, especially as inefficient data collection steals too much of your precious time, causes unnecessary stress and hassle, and can easily derail progress of your project. This is why we devised a revolutionary new way to collect data, introducing Fibian Sense Motion, the beginning of a new era. Fibian Sense Motion is a cutting-edge next-generation system that allows you to easily and remotely collect, store, and manage data. Our solution features a tiny, waterproof device that captures the sedentary behavior and physical activity data a mobile app for automatic uploading of the data from the device, and a cloud service for managing the data. Even better, all collected data is GDPR compliant, and you have access to automatically analyzed variables of activity types and raw three-axis accelerometer data. Don't compromise on the quality of your research or the project timeframes. Discover the convenience and power behind our solution at sense.fibian.com. That is S-E-N-S dot Fibian, created by researchers for researchers. And, and about the circadian disruptions, you said that 
people kind of have their own rhythms, but the hospital is not adapting at all to those. How how do you see this, and have you been doing doing some some studies on, on relation to this? Um, we see this as an upcoming issue upcoming issue um, for the next decade um, because we um, ha- we have done this this exercise Caruso having four times exercise a day um, promoting this rest activity rest activity cycle and we see. Um, these are single cases where we see that patients have the same medication over the 14 days. They're starting with the baseline measurement, having totally disrupted day-night rhythm. And this is a stabilizing way um, of exercise. And they got a clear day-night rhythm for the measurement. This is something we see, we now have, but this is extremely hard to analyze because if you're summing up all these, these day-night rhythms, you get a mean level of physical activity we are on a way towards this quantifying this um, mobility related circadian um, rhythms but we're not quite there right right now um, within rodents um, within laboratory animals there are um, some some yeah synchronizing effects um, we see that this is an option also in the whole level of, of jet lag phenomenon you know, that exercise could serve as this side giver and especially if we see that um, our our patients um, they suffer from this calcification of the supranucleus uh, suprachiasmatic nucleus um, where, where the, the melatonin is also produced, we um, see that this is in, an aging aging course. We see this as, as an upcoming issue. Um, and we all know that the timing of physical exercise also brings effects um, to the night or also to the, to the next day. Um, it is not only what to do and how to do, but also when to be active. This is something we're very interested in because we see that the patients, well, they have lots of variance, differences in how they're reacting, how they see the effects on this stimuli. And and do you think there will be in timing that all people should do it in a certain way? Or do you think it's just about getting a routine that you do the physical activity every day at the same time, like you should do with eating and, and other things that you have? better sleep i I think stability is important there having these routines together we see that an entrainment could could work that we uh, make make a small give give a small exercise session here there and the other way would be to work counterwise against the, the the current rhythm in order to stabilize these day night shifts but we know also from the rodents that working against the inner body clock uh, would not uh, bring us these levels of BDNF as before uh, or another way to. So if we look at the laboratory analysis, we see um, that we have these uh, together with a chronotype of a person's being able to react to a chronotype could be the way and then being able to entrain this, this cycle could be a way. Um, but it, this is not only a way for the acute care situation, this is a way um, everyone should be aware of. And um, 
we see the interest of the society in this um, not only um, um, work life quality but also work life sleep quality having the 24 hour cycle in mind and going towards the geriatric um, patients this is a major issue especially in dementia depression what happens during the night what happens with the chronotypes this is perspective mm. yeah and and you you are studying this what what kind of settings you have how do you how do you approach this one well we're in the acute geriatric psychiatry care setting where the reason for admission ad- admission is mostly um, neuropsychiatric symptoms and one key is this disrupted day-night rhythm because if you're living at home um, and you get your, your partner um, is being uh, has a disrupted day-night cycle you you can't manage this anymore on your own because you have to do your activities of daily living during the day and the patient, um, the partner is inactive during the night. So you, you need a 24 hour, um, hour um, support. Um, and we, we, we get these patients into the hospital. We're studying this right now with these disrupted patients um, where we see these cycles also having the clinical records, what happens there, having the two ways with using the ActiGraph because it's the gold standard in sleep quality, in ambulant sleep quality measurement. Um, and we're using the hybrid motion sensors on the lower back. We'll also have um, access to a, a longitudinal um, study, the data set where we seek to analyze the circadian rhythm of the step counts, not only having this um, these the, the counts from the actigraph, but also using steps and seeing okay when is uh, the active period and inactive period, the timing of physical activity during the day correlating to quality of life, correlating to morbidity. This is quite cool. Yeah, sounds sounds good. And I think I have gone everything from my my notes. Is there something you would like to add in the discussion? I think we, we got the major points. Um, we see that the physical activity uh, is coming a, a vital sign in geriatric healthcare that we should think about in the general practitioner um, setting, hospitals, and especially transsectoral care. I think we'll come to the point where we have also personal training at the homes of the patients. Um, not only having um, a rehabilitation in hospitals, but also at home. Um, and we see that motion centers capturing physical activity and doing something with it, deriving physical activity interventions is the way we should go for, for, or, or, or for especially structuring the physical activity programs. And, well, we see that physical mental and especially social active aging as the key ingredient for keeping and gaining quality of life in older adults that where we hope to be able um, to help the patients um, for this active aging so so you mentioned exercise referral and and i had a podcast recording now the name is escaping me but she was talking about clinic flow that how how exercise referral and 
how it's difficult to do if you don't integrate it into the clinic flow or the way the things are done in a hospital or with patient, outpatients. How, how do you see the clinic flow from your perspective and in, in German settings? We've got the, the referral as part of the um, admission to the next hospital or admission to the next setting. So the discharge management is important. Um, patients, they we can only have a first uh, impression or first impulse into the acute care and then go over the next sectors because we see the post-hospital syndrome patients um, receive morbidity that has nothing to do with the acute um, acute illness they, why they are in their hospitals. They are lying the time, they're sitting the time and they don't come back to the level of functionality. That's why we see the exercise referral should focus on the transsectoral care and then aiming having the activity levels in the patient's homes um, because we in the future we also won't have enough space in the nursing homes everyone should be able to stay as long as possible in their homes and key ingredient will be the physical activity and the exercise prescription by the general practitioner by the hospital by the physiotherapist um, I think it's the multi-professional approach that should lead us to this goal. And and how do you see current current situation with the pandemic and long COVID? There's some scientific studies showing that the virus does enter the brain, or it, it's been found there, at least from the long COVID patients and the brain fog and difficulty in concentration is is reported a lot. How, how do you see this this affecting uh, the, the hospital populations? What's what's your take on this as an expert in in neuropathology? Yeah, it does not only uh, affect the hospital uh, group, but also the patients staying at home, um, the, the, all the people <laughs> staying at home, and um, we see after with this coronavirus pandemic. Also, the pandemic of physical inactivity. This is intercorrelated uh, together, and we see, therefore, the side effects of the inactivity pandemic. Um, we see this in the hospitals, but also at, at their homes. Um, we have the the counter the counter development also that patients are aware of this. They know. They see. Um, uh, that they are moving not not enough, um, decreasing functionality is the, the problem in there. Um, and we see as a, as a key for this is um, quantifying the physical activity and then doing the personalized referral for the um, for the um, like those response effects or like you said the, the mechanics. Uh, that have these uh, these brain brain tissue um, uh, adaptions. We don't know many about this yet, especially in the higher age population. This is something we will work on and having keeping this in mind. Mm, yeah, a little bit of worrying developments. Yeah. 
uh, how is how is your research group are you looking for some kind of collaboration do you want to promote anything here a job position or or a book chapter or whatever <laughs> yeah marketing is, is is daily daily work well we're, we're on twitter follow us on, on twitter we're doing um science communication this is important for us for also bringing this for the students together um we're open for a collaboration uh with especially in the field of circadian rhythms um we seek therefore analysis um approaches um we're placed within the community but also see your podcast as a way for especially speaking about these these topics and therefore we're very thankful yeah it's it's been very very nice discussion and i i also learned a lot about pathologies neuropathologies so it was a really really interesting discussion so thanks for tim taking the time thank you Oli, and thank you listeners Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcast or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.